Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I want to begin our broadcast today with the reading of scripture out of Psalm 91. Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's translate that into our modern day language today. He that dwells with God, who, he who remains a branch in the vine, uh, he who clings to him, he who stays with him, he who stays with God in scripture, he who stays with God in prayer, he who stays with God in fellowship, he who stays with the purposes of God, he that dwells in that secret place of the Most High shall abide If you and I abide, if you and I continue, if you and I dwell in the the secret place of God, in the things of God, we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I can't imagine a better place to be in the days in which we live than under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, he's watching over me. And then it says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, and you and I are going to do the same thing today. We will say of the Lord, let us say it in honesty, the Lord, right? He is my refuge and my fortress. Would you say that out loud this morning? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. I dwell in him. I continue in him. I don't have one foot out and one foot in. I stay in the secrets of God. I stay in the 
secret place of the Most High. I stay and therefore I abide and I'm under his shadow and I'll save the Lord. He is my refuge and he is my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. I do not trust anyone or anything else, but I trust my God. I trust Jesus. I trust Yahshua. I trust the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of truth. I trust that Jesus, when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, I trust that what he said is true. I trust him. I trust my God, my Father, my Abba. I trust him. So, in him will I trust. I will lean upon. I will confidently rest upon. I believe him. I trust him. If he said it, he's going to do it. I trust him. I trust in his promises. I trust in him more than I do men. I trust in him more than I do my own psychology. I trust in him more than my own emotions. I trust in him more than my own feelings. I trust in him more than my own house, my own security, my own protection. I trust in him. I trust God. And as I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I know that God is watching over me. I trust him. And that's what you're going to do this morning. You're going to, I don't care what the last 45, 50 years of your life have been, today you're going to trust God like you've never trusted him before. You are going to trust these scriptures that I'm reading to you right now. You're going to trust your Savior. You're going to trust your Father. And in verse 3 of Psalm 91, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Today I was watching a little bit of the news and I saw a news clip coming out of, I believe it was uh, probably the uh, Fox News or Fox Business, whatever it was. The lines in New York, The lines in Washington, D.C., lines of people, some in New York, standing for seven to eight hours for what? That they can get a COVID-19 test so that they can spend time with their families. And without getting a COVID-19 test, they won't be able to do it, right? So we're living in a day where we're trusting the Lord, and he promised, surely, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now, people are getting caught in a snare all over the world. That's a fact. They are getting caught in the snare. They're in Sweden having their hands chipped. Uh, They are having all kinds of uh, things that people are capitulating to with vaccinations, with COVID-19 testing, with fear-mongering. You know, I was listening to a program yesterday, but I'm going to wait before I share this part. I, I hope I remember it. But I want to wait for, you know, until more people get involved, or maybe they could just go back. Let me tell you what I heard yesterday. And remember, verse 3, surely he shall deliver you. This has to be your confident expectation that God has promised, okay, that he's going to deliver you from the snare. Now, remember, Jesus said that it will come like a snare on the whole earth, and they will not escape. You want to make sure that you're not caught in the snare, 
The promise is, is I will deliver you from the snare. In other words, before you ever get snared, I'm going to deliver you from it. I'm going to lead you away from it. I'm going to guide you out of it so that you don't get caught in it. Because once you're caught in the snare, they shall not escape. All right. So the promise is for God to direct your life and to lead you in the way that pleases him. See, he knows a way through everything that's coming on this earth right now. For many generations, we have not even considered, particularly in America, that there would ever have to be a way through. But we're finding out and waking up now and realizing that we're going to need to know a way through the things that are coming on this earth. Last night on True News with Rick Wiles, truenews.com, on that program, they played an audio clip and a video clip of the man that they call the president, Joe Biden, saying, and I heard it with my own ears, saw it with my own eyes, on this video clip and audio clip, Joe Biden said, all unvaccinated people are going to die this winter. He put so much fear out there. And to hear the president of the United States of America tell the American population that the unvaccinated people are going to die, and so you better get vaccinated. Joe Biden, I have a message for you. I have a message for you. And number one, the message is simply this. You don't belong in the office. You were brought into it by other powers, not just your good skills as a president. You were brought there by a globalist elite. You were brought there by satanic power, but you were also brought there for a time of judgment. But Joe Biden, you need to know that those who have your ear, those who speak into your head, those who speak into your brain, they are not your friends. They are not your friends, Joe Biden. And my message to you is simply this. For warning and putting fear in the people that are not vaccinated and telling them that they're going to die, here's the message, Joe. I forgive you. I forgive you for lying and reading the script of the globalist elite behind you that are manipulating you, that are controlling you, that have the goods on you, that are using you. And your life is going further and further away into the darkness. And Joe Biden, I want you to know that I believe I speak for many people in this country. We forgive you. We forgive you for what you're doing. Because what you're doing has no power over our lives. You have no power at all over the lives of the people of God. You have none. Zero. Zip. Nada. And so the idea, Joe, is that we forgive you and we we release you in this. But Joe Biden did say by the globalist elite behind him, by the spirit of fear, by the spirit of Lucifer, by the spirit of Satan, he said that every unvaccinated person in this country, particularly, are going to die this winter. I rebuke those words. They are lying words. I renounce and reject the fear that you're trying to put out there. And Joe, again, I know that you are just being used, and you're being used because of your corruption through the years, and you've allowed yourself to get into the position of being so foolish and being 
looked upon by the nations of the earth and many in your own country as the emperor has no clothes, but don't dare say it. And Joe, you don't. You don't. You're being used. We forgive you. The people behind you that are using you, that are utilizing your whiteness, utilizing your political ecumen, utilizing your foolishness, your absurdity because of your arrogance, pride, and lust that you have, they are using you. So we want to say that God promises in Psalm 91 verse 3 that he will deliver the saints of God, those who trust in the Lord, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Saints of God, you will be delivered from the snare that is being laid all over this earth as you are abiding in the Holy Spirit, as you are continuing in the purposes of God, as you are doing what the Word of God says to do, as you are living your life for the Lord, for God, apprehended by Him, led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, you shall be delivered from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Now, that might get some powers of darkness a little bit angry, but go ahead and be angry. What more can we say? Verse 4, the promise also continues to those who abide and love the Lord. He shall cover you with his feathers. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Trust for what is, what, what is in, in his wings in the book of Malachi? For there's healing in his wings. So in the wings of the Lord, in the wings of God, there is healing. And he shall cover you, right? And you will abide under his wings, you shall trust. And truth shall be your shield and buckler. The truth of the matter is that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. The truth of the matter is there is no man on earth with the diversity of this conversation that should ever, ever conclude that if you refuse to do this, you're a bad person, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that's happening because it's because the signs are the times that we're in. But here's the deal. Let truth be your shield against the fiery darts of accusation, condemnation, lies, deception. Truth, your shield, and buckler, your defense your strength, your weapon, all right? So again, under his wings, and there's healing in his wings, you shall trust. Trust in the healing power of God. Now, there's a lot to say about health, and I don't want to get into it right now, but there are things you can do to build up your immune system, there are things you can do to get your spirit, soul, and body into wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, wholeness, okay? And you need, to, you need to discover those ways, and you need to do those things, okay? Next, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night. And speaking of terror, let me share with you just a little tiny thought here. Coming out of the ACLJ, um, Christians face the unthinkable. 
This is Jay Seculo, ACLJ, very reputable. Christians face the unthinkable. They are running out of time. We must take emergency action. The Taliban is reportedly executing dozens of Afghan allies. Women and children fear the horror of jihadist rule. This is what we warned you about, and Christians are next. Christians are hiding in their homes, fearing what the Taliban will do to them, a genocidal persecution. The Taliban is going door to door looking for Christians to kill and unmarried women to enslave. Now, in Afghanistan, Christians are staying at home fearing because of the Taliban, because of jihadists, because of these evil things. In the United States, people are staying at home, fearing, lining up and doing all these different things because they're afraid of the COVID-19. They're afraid of the Omicron. They're afraid of the Delta virus. They're afraid of, you know, if I don't get a vaccination, I'm going to die. They're afraid. And so what is it that's being promoted all over the world? Fear, 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 fear. Now, what the nation should have feared was the Lord. But because the nations chose not the fear of the Lord, they are now being put under the fear of man. For those of you who have feared the Lord and do fear the Lord, you do not fear any of these things. You don't fear terrorists, jihadists, Omicron, Delta virus, COVID-19, vaccinations. You don't fear what man can do to you because you have chosen the fear of the Lord. And you chose it way before all these other things showed up. You chose it long ago, have lived your life in the wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord has been your guiding light. It has been what has sustained you and directed you and held you together in times of temptation and trial and attacks of the enemy. But the fear of the Lord has kept you going. The fear of the Lord that you now have established in your life is going to keep you from the fear of man. The fear of man that's coming upon them is because they rejected the fear of the Lord. Make sure you understand that. The nations are going to fear and men at the top are going to bring them into slavery and to control. You, the one who fears the Lord, will never be a slave to men. Even if they locked you in a concentration camp like the Apostle Paul, you would not be their prisoner. You would be the prisoner of the Lord. You will never fear man. You will not fear the pestilence. He says right here, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday, you shall not fear. That's what it says. You will not be afraid because you chose the fear of the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord, you have abided in the secret place of the Most High. You have dwelt there. You live there. You live in the hidden place of Christ, for we are hid in him. Okay, so there you are. This is your life, hid in Christ, and yet you live wide out in the open because we are to be the light of the world. We don't put our light under a bushel. We don't silence the message of the gospel because of these fearsome times. We preach it louder and louder, but we speak it with truth and very balanced. That's the call. Here's what verse 7 says. 
a thousand shall fall at your side. So uh, Joe Biden wants to warn the people, but it's not Joe. I'm telling you, Joe reads things sometimes and he goes, we're doing that. I mean, really? I mean, where'd this come from? They are putting script in front of him to read their agenda. He is a useful, I don't want to say it, but he's just very useful to them because they're using him because he has some political persuasion. He's got some stuff going on with China and all these different things, right? So a thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. So if there are people that are going to start dropping dead, well, whether they are the vaccinated or the unvaccinated, because even the unvaccinated that don't have faith in Jesus Christ are probably going to be subjugated to the fear, and that fear is going to be a virus and probably is going to kill them at some point. So now, it will not come nigh you. You're going to see a thousand people at your side, and you're going to see 10,000 at your right hand. Will there be death? There will be death. I agree that people are going to drop dead like exterminated flies or ants that have been sprayed with raid. There is going to come mass population devastation. No doubt. Scripture confirms it. I know it's true. But for you who trust in the Lord, who abide under the shadow of the Almighty, who dwell in the secret place, who trust him, who fear him, you will not. It says, it shall not come nigh you. And even if it does come near you, okay, even if you get inflicted or afflicted, there's a promise in the new covenant that this too shall be taken care of by the Lord. You do not want to be subject to these things, which means you better be careful how you're living your life as a Christian, so must I. We need to be very careful and aware of our conduct. We need to be very aware of our thoughts. We need to be very aware of our attitudes. We better be very aware how we touch the things of God. Do not take lightly the things of God. Be very careful what you say about those who belong to the Lord, who have been apprehended by the Lord. Be very careful about every aspect of your life. Be very careful about how you're living your life. Make sure you're keeping it real. Make sure you're not slapsing into tradition. Make sure you're not just going through the motions. You have to keep yourself built up. You have to edify yourself. You have to stir up the gift of God within yourself when there's nobody else to do it for you. You're going to have to stay. You're going to have to dwell in the secret place of God. You're going to have to get your strength from the secret place. You're going to have to get your boldness from the secret place. You're going to have to get your, your, your will to stand and your inspiration from the secret place. You're going to have to get your anointing from the secret place. You're going to have to get everything you need to go through as a wise virgin in this hour from dwelling in the secret place. And when you do, it shall not come nigh thee. And if it happens to come nigh thee, as I've said before, check your heart, ask God to forgive you for any pride, 
any jealousy, any envy, any words that came out of your mouth that shouldn't have been spoken. Watch out for gossip. Watch out for slander, whispering, backbiting. Watch out, okay? Just be careful. Keep bringing these things before the Lord. If it's going on in your soul, keep bringing it before the Lord. If you've done something you don't believe is right, you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, confess it. The only reason why people don't is they're full of pride. So beware of the spirit of pride in the name of Jesus. Now, verse 8, only with your eyes, this is a promise, only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Wow. You know what I believe true wickedness is? I mean, it's not smoking, drinking. I mean, those things are just byproducts of a wicked heart. It's not even fornicating and lust and all that stuff that we talk about so often. You know what I believe it is? I believe true wickedness comes out of a heart of unbelief and a lack of confession and repentance. And I believe that it comes from not trusting Not believing and being afraid is one of the key parts of a wicked heart. If you're wicked, you will be in fear. Or if there's wickedness in your heart, some unbelief, some rejection of the gospel, some rejection of the Christ of the gospel, some rejection of the Holy Spirit, some unwillingness to do and obey what the Word of God says to do, that's just a wicked heart. But that's unbelief. So you're going to see the reward of the wicked. You're going to see it. And it's not just going to happen to unvaccinated people or to Christians in, in, in Afghanistan. What is coming on this earth? It's going to take so much out. The White House is not going to last long. Washington, D.C. won't be around much longer. I mean, that's been on a a ticking, you know, timer for a long time. It is a is a is a timer, and at the it's just tick tick tick. And at the last tick, it's going to detonate. It's going to be gone. We are getting ready to walk into a season that's unbelievable. But right now, there is a lassoing of the nations, and this is their attempted move. And we're going to get more into that. But I want to just say to you, you honestly do not have to be afraid of the voice of the enemy telling you you're going to die if you don't get vaccinated. I've got news for you. We've already been vaccinated. We have the blood of Jesus Christ as a super inoculation against all sickness and disease if we believe and trust the Lord. By his stripes, we are healed. We don't need your medicine. We don't need your inoculation. Oh, that's what, um, what was his name from Daystar? Marcus Lamb. Oh, that's what Marcus Lamb said. He was against COVID-19. He told everybody, no, 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 and he's dead now by COVID-19. Well, he really didn't die of COVID-19. He was recovering from COVID-19, and his heart stopped. And it was probably the medicine that they gave him, just like the athletes all over the world that are dying of heart attacks in their 20s and in their teens because of the vaccinations and the things they're putting into their bodies. Who knows the truth? Well, the left tells you they know the truth, that they have nothing but the truth. So help them God. 
But that can't be the truth because there's evidence on the other side that it, 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 it dislodges their truth. It challenges their truth. Their truth on the left is not the truth. It's their truth. And now they're so desperate, they don't want anybody else with another opinion to even have a place to speak anymore. And the time is coming that in this world, you will not hear any longer the word of the Lord. You will not be able to have an opinion differing from the global government. You will be forced to hear their narrative or just shut it down. And if you shut it all down and you become aware of what time it is and you're not sure of what's happening, you could get caught off guard. Jesus said, watch. Jesus said, be aware. Watch for the signs of the times. Be, be diligent. So keep a balanced perspective. Now, he continues on in Psalm 91 with only with your eyes shall, be, shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. That's it. Your holy eyes, your righteous eyes, your God-fearing eyes, your dwelling in the secret place eyes, your trusting of the Lord eyes, okay? Your dwelling under the wing of the Lord, which is filled with healing eyes, will only behold the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, said the author of this writing, even the most high, because you've made the Lord, the most high, your habitation. God is your habitation. In him we live and move and have our being, right? Okay. There shall no evil, say it out loud, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. These are the words of God. This is the truth. This is the truth. Not the left's truth, not the right's truth, not the Jew's truth, not the Gentile's truth. This is God's truth. This is God's truth. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? Do we believe it? Yes. Emphatically, beyond the shadow of a doubt, yes, we believe. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Stay in Christ. Remain in the vine. Stay. Get the flow of anointing, the sap of the vine, the life energy of the vine. Let it flow into your branch, your life, so that you can be a fruitful branch with leaves, which represent healing of the nations. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, it says in Ezekiel and in other places. I believe in the book of Revelation chapter 22, actually. So you want to be a fruitful branch? You want to have healthy leaves? You want to, have, you want to be a place where people can come and partake of that fruit and live? And people that can have the ointment, the unction of the medicine of God that is in the leaf of your life, the health of your life. This is powerful. Then he said, No plague shall come nigh your dwelling, for God shall give angels charge over you. Now, I know that Jesus Christ was, you know, when he was battling it out with the devil, the devil used this scripture against him to try to trick him. But Jesus knew better. But this promise is not limited to Jesus. 
if you go back to the beginning, it's he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, okay? For those who trust God, this is for all who believe. Jesus just showed the power of this promise in his own life first. Now, he shall give his angels charge over you. Do you believe in angels? Do you believe that when Jesus Christ died, and the women on that early morning, the first day of the week, that came and saw that stone rolled away and peeked into the tomb and saw a young man clothed with white linen sitting at the right side, do you believe when that angel began to say, don't be afraid, he's going to go before you into Galilee, go tell his disciples, and Peter too? Was that an angel? It was an angel. And what was he? A messenger. And what was he doing? He was giving a message to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And what was he telling them? He was giving them instruction. Do you believe that angels exist? Do you believe that in Hebrews 13, beware of strangers, that you do good things to strangers because some have entertained angels without even knowing it? Are you kind to strangers? Is it possible that angels are all around us? Is it possible that the angels could actually give us a message and say, go this way, not that way? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit that dwells in you is there to guide you, direct you, empower you, strengthen you, change you, transform you, conform you, and do all that work of the Holy Ghost in you? But there's also angels. Peter, the apostle, was in prison during Passover, if you'll remember. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, but the angels came and released him from prison. Just because we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit does not mean that angels went to sleep. No, the angels of God are on assignment. They are ministering to the heirs of salvation. They give direction. They give guidance. They may come in the form of an old beggar. They may come in the form of a little old lady or a young child. They may come in the form of any kind of a person that has something that resonates and says, this is what you need to do. Let me give you a little story about this, angelic, and then we'll get back into this. Uh, it, and there's been a number of these kinds of encounters, but you be the judge, and I won't, I won't uh, embellish anything. Patricia and I were in Florida many, many years ago in the 1990s. During the 1990s, we were starting churches all over this country from Jersey City, New Jersey, all the way to California and in between, we were, we were caught up into something that God was doing. And we just kind of went with the flow. And everywhere we went to do something, something else would open up. And before you know it, we had these churches started. And the people from San Diego that were, had been served as deacons in the church, we were sending them out and establishing them and ordaining them to be pastors in these different locations in this country. Well, there was a time that we were in Jersey City. We put on this conference, and I won't go into details, but it was amazing what God did. And one day we were in Newark, New Jersey at the Holiday Inn, and we were having a big meal of about 20 people or so. We're having a big breakfast one morning when things were done. And while we were having breakfast, this woman came walking into the room. She had long, straight hair. She was weeping. And she, she came to the table and bowed down on her knees. And she said, I have been away from the Lord, but I love the Lord, and my marriage is broken. And she went on and on. We prayed for her. 
She went back up into her room. She told the story later. She prayed to God, and she had an open vision of the glory of God. She felt restored back into her relationship. She had a prophetic mantle that was absolutely amazing. This happened in Newark, New Jersey. Patricia and I were driving through Tennessee when we got a call. Would you please come to Jacksonville, Florida? Okay? Jacksonville, Florida. We heard the Spirit say yes. We moved our vehicle in that direction. We went to Jacksonville, Florida. When we showed up in Jacksonville, this woman had been going to a mega church, seven, 8,000 people. When we showed up, that mega church had split, not in half. There were just about 700 people left in that church. We showed up and in the RV, and this woman started bringing people one after another into our RV, and Patricia was <clears throat> bringing them through deliverance. I was hanging out with the pastor of that church, which was devastated. He was thinking about lawsuits and what to do. I mean, the church was devastated. Well, this had been going on for a good week. We had been showing up in Bible studies. And one particular evening, the pastor called. There were about 300 people in this evening service. And the pastor called for everybody to come up to the front for prayer. And so we went up there, and we're, there's a bunch of people, and, and I'm stand, we're, we're standing, and prayers are going forth. And my head was down kind of like this. And all of a sudden, I saw a man in my vision. He was an old man. I saw his face, and he was so pronounced in my thinking, in my vision, I, I saw details of this man's face. And so impacted by what I was seeing, I opened my eyes, and I looked around, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of viewing the room, and I'm thinking, where is he? Who is this? What is it? Who is this man? Well, I didn't see him in that crowd. But after that meeting, um, we were heading down to Miami, and it was Patricia and Danielle, our daughter, and she was just a young girl at the time, and, and I, and so we got into our RV, and uh, kind of, it was still a little, there was still a little light out this night we were leaving, and we get on the interstate, and we start heading south uh, from Jacksonville, I believe that's Interstate 95, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and we started heading south, we're on the freeway. And as I'm driving 65, 70 miles an hour in the RV heading south, um, I notice there's a man walking down the freeway. And he's bent over. I mean, he's got this black coat on. He's got two bags in his hand. And he's, he's just kind of bowed down. And I passed him. And I, something, just something, you know, was in my heart. And I said, that man, and I've got my daughter and my wife in there. I don't know who this man is. But Patricia and I decided, get off the exit, turn around, come back. Let's pick the man up and give him a ride. So I got off the freeway, went around. I got in front of him. I pulled off. I got out of the RV. I walked towards him. And he was hanging down. And I said, sir, do you need some help? He says, well, I'm trying to get to such and such a place, uh, you know, south of here. And I said, well, why don't we give you a ride? So the man came and it was just, again, you could hardly see anything, and he's got this big black coat on in his bags. I bring him into the RV. I set him down at the table. 
I uh, start driving. Patricia goes about making him a sandwich. And Danielle, being an inquisitive young five-year-old, I think at the time, asking him questions. And so I'm driving, and, and we're going, and they're making him a sandwich. And we get to the place that he wants to be. So we get off the freeway. And I remember uh, Patricia put some money in his pocket and, and, and fed him that sandwich. And we ministered the gospel. He didn't say much at all. And it was now dark. And I walked him out of the RV and I walked him around and I put my hand on his shoulder. I says, man, I, I wish you well. And uh, if you ever need anything and we happen to be nearby, you know, we're here for you. And all of a sudden we're standing under this streetlight for the first time. This man lifts up his face, and sure enough, it's the man that I saw in the vision at the prayer meeting. I saw the details of his face, and he looked at me, and he said to me, no, if you ever need anything, you let me know. And he smiled and turned away. I don't know if that angelic encounter was for the purpose of getting me off the freeway for down the road something could have happened i don't know but i know what i'm telling you is true and when that man lifted up his head and his body stood straight for the first time i saw him clearly under that street light and it was the man in my vision and he said if you never i mean no if you ever need something i'm here What do you do with that? I asked myself when I was on the side of a mountain in 2017 in the Tetons, freezing cold, stuck, cramping, no way out where those two men came from, 10,000 feet into this mountain, out of nowhere when people should be going down because the sun was setting and there was snow everywhere in the month of July. Where'd those two men come from after I had my experience with the Lord? I cried out to God. And all of a sudden, these men showed up out of nowhere. They got me off that mountain. They brought me to safety. Never heard from them again. I don't know who they were. But I know this. Angels are everywhere. They are God's holy angels they exist. They don't look for applause. They don't look for reputation. They don't look to be notable or known. They simply serve God by taking care of, ministering in some way to the heirs of salvation. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I have no idea who's listening to this broadcast at all. I, I, in my screen, I don't have phone calls. I don't have chat room. I have nothing right now. I have a screen with this article I'm reading to you. I have no idea who I'm about to say this to. But I want to tell you something that I know. I know it. K-N-O-W. The thing that the devil hates most about you is that you are a true heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The thing that the devil rages, the reason why he does everything to condemn you, 
to point the finger at you, to accuse you, to put fear in you, to attack you and hate you. The reason why is because he knows you're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and you have an eternal inheritance. Hear me. He had an inheritance. He was God's chosen angel. He will never experience what he knows you will experience. And just as he rebelled and slipped away, he wants you to do the same thing. And so he wars against your soul personally. Forget about all the stuff going on in the world, which is enough. But it's you. He wants to separate from God. It's you he's furious with. He's angry with you because you're an heir of salvation. Regardless of his anger, we are kept by the power of God through faith. Regardless of his fury, God has his angels on assignment watching over the heirs of salvation. I completely believe that the true elect of God, not gendered, not male, female, Jew, Gentile, the true people of God, I believe and am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt, have angels constantly watching over their lives. Patricia, my beloved wife, wrote a book called Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. And in one of her chapters, she wrote about if we knew how many times a day we have been delivered from destruction by the intervening of angels, we would be amazed. These are not just general encounters once in a while. God has commissioned angels to the heirs of salvation. You need to know that today. You can trust the Holy Spirit of God in you. You can trust the promises of God in the Word of God. You can trust that Yeshua is the true Messiah of the whole world. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the rightful heir that the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees tried to get rid of 2,000 years ago and said, he's the heir, let's kill him and seize upon his inheritance. And you being an heir, the devil's spirit is the same way. Let us kill that heir and seize upon the inheritance. Listen, this is real spiritual warfare that you and I are engaged in right now. And much of it is lies, deception, accusation. He's the accuser of the brethren. And condemnation. And the world is now drinking up the flood of Satan's fury against God and everything belonging to him. So the world is about to, political leaders, governmental leaders are about to accuse you for not trusting them. They want to accuse you for not obeying them. They want to condemn you and put condemnation on you. They want to lie about you. They want you deceived like everybody else that's deceived. I received something from a very dear brother last night, and I want to read it to you. This was a letter that was written to him. 
And I want to share it with you. With his permission, I asked. I told him I was going to put it out there. And the letter goes this way. If you understand what's going on and didn't take the poison, you have survived the greatest psychological warfare in human history. By the way, this letter to my friend was written by a Jewish man who is a Messianic believer who's getting baptized this coming week, and he continues in this letter. But I want to say that first part again. If you understand what is going on and did not take the poison, you have survived the greatest psychological warfare in human history. Do you realize how much time, resources, money, and effort they put into this? They have tried to manipulate, brainwash, and force you. They have been trying to scare you, attempted to make you feel guilty. They tried to bribe you with gifts. They tried to confuse you and question your reality and also your sanity. They tried to make you abandon your principles, your morals, and your values. They even managed to turn your loved ones and friends against you. You never gave up on yourself. You stood up for yourself against all odds. You rose like a phoenix in the night and entered into your own full power. You are the best. Stay that way. I continue in Psalm 91, verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over you. Yes, they were kept charge over Jesus, no doubt. The first heir, the son of sons, the the heir of heirs. But we are heirs and joint heirs. And those angels, he gives charge over us. So, the enemy wants to come against you as an heir of God. The enemy wants to condemn you, accuse you, discredit you insult the spirit of grace upon your life, he's not going to beat the angels of God. And you have the internal Holy Spirit to keep your spirit motivated. You have the spirit of truth in you to keep you motivated, even when lies and deception are all around. And the enemy is doing everything in his power to condemn you, accuse you, cut you off, do all manner of evil against you. Yes, there's warfare, but you have the internal Holy Spirit to keep you in the truth, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to keep on going when you should have quit a long time ago. But God also has his angels to protect you from the ravages of the demons that come against you. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You and I are being kept by the power of God, the power of the Spirit, and the power of the angels that are watching over us. Do you want to rejoice right now and give a holy hallelujah? You want to shout right now? 
and just give God the glory? Well, we all should. We all should. And that's why we should say to the Joe Bidens and those that manipulate him and use him, the Luciferians, we forgive you. You have no power over our lives. At the end of your little life, if you don't repent of what you're doing, your eternal damnation. I can't even begin to tell you what your soul is going to have to endure forever. I can't even begin. What it means that your worm will never die. I can't even begin to tell you what it means that the smoke of your torment will go up forever and ever without end. I can't even imagine the sorrow that awaits human beings who have allowed themselves to come under the manipulative powers of the Holy Spirit. But not us. The truth has set us free from eternal damnation. The truth makes me to understand that the reason why the devil hates me and hates all true believers is because we are the true heirs of God and the joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We're not confused on this issue. This is a fact. This is written with the ink of blood. And we will not do anything to have our names blotted out of the book of life. We have a reservation in heaven waiting for our arrival. We've already received the down payment of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit of God, the eternal life of God. We've got a reservation beyond this life, this little vapor waiting for us. First Peter, right? Come on. You have angels. So do not walk in fear. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Rise up from that sickbed and declare your inheritance. By his stripes you are healed. Who cares about scars? I got a scar in my right hand. You know, many years ago when I was a 17-year-old young man in Jersey City, I was getting lined up for scholarships to play baseball. Ron Peronowski was a pitching coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I was having a meeting with him. I had it all lined up. I was going to play professional baseball. Ripped open my hand. I was also being primed to be a quarterback for Dickinson High School. I ripped open my hand when I threw a punch in playing with a guy we were boxing and we were in the tool room. I used to work for the CETA program. I used to mark the baseball diamonds with the lines, and I used to groom the fields as a young man. And in this particular place, it was a stone building where you put all the tools, and some guy punched me, so we started going at it, and I threw a punch, and he ducked, and my knuckle hit metal and split my hand wide open, and I missed that year. And I missed out on everything. I'll tell you the whole story one day, but this was the seventh high school that I went to. I went to seven high schools. Never graduated. Wind up getting a GED because I was going into the military. And everything that I thought my life was going to be about, I have a scar. But this scar does not depress me. This scar reminds me that God's sovereign will 
because it wasn't too long after this event that as a 19-year-old young man, Jesus Christ came into my life in a new and living way in my bedroom at the age of 19. This scar doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Oh, I could have been in this. I could have been a contender. No, this scar reminds me that God had another plan for my life. My God is real. My God is alive. And so is your God, if your God is the living God. Come on. Nothing wrong with scars. Get scars? You got scars? They don't hurt. They're there to remind you. Jesus had scars. <laughs> he had scars. You may have some scars. They don't hurt anymore. You may think of your past and feel wounded by them. That just means you're not healed yet. Get healed. Get into the Melchizedek priesthood of things. No beginning of life. No end of life. No mother, no father. Step into the Melchizedek right now. You don't have a past. Your past doesn't hurt you anymore. You're not wounded anymore. Maybe some scars, but they don't hurt anymore. Praise the living God. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. That's what Satan used on Jesus, you'll remember. You shall tread upon the lion. You know that the devil that roams about like a lion seeking someone to devour? You shall tread upon the lion and the adder is a serpent, cockatrice eggs, an adder, a viper. You're going to tread on them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, you'll tread on all the power of the enemy. That's who you are. See, that's who you really are. You don't need to be afraid of getting bit by a serpent or devoured by a lion, you tread on lions, adders in the spiritual kingdom. You don't need to be afraid of their threats or terrified with any amazement by your adversary, Philippians chapter 1 and 2. You don't. Death has no power over you as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Because death has been defeated. He, in Timothy, said he abolished death. And in Hebrews, he destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So that we're not afraid of death anymore. Death has lost its sting with you and I because we are the children of the resurrection. I would rather, well, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said it this way. Oh, king, we don't even take thought how we're going to answer you on this one. We are not bowing down to your edict. And if the Lord wants us to die in this fire, then so be it. We're not bowing. But if he wants to deliver us from you, he'll do it. But we're not bowing. I would rather be standing with a remnant of people dying together for our stand for the Lord, bowing to the edicts of men. And so would you. I refuse, by the grace of God's Spirit, to bow my knee to men that want to do great harm. But they're going to have to have permission from Papa first. Then they're going to have to go through the angels. Then they're going to have to defeat the intelligence of the Holy Spirit. And if Papa doesn't give them permission, they will not prevail. And if he gives permission, so be it. That's okay. You tread on lions and adders. Listen to this. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Oh, I believe the 144,000 overcomers in the book of Revelation. I believe that all those overcomers that the letters to the seven churches were written to. I believe the overcomers have power to tread, not the fearful, not the unbelieving. You see, I believed in the wisdom of God. I'm just kind of speaking to you from my heart right now. Again, I have no clue who's listening to this broadcast. But I say this in the humility of Christ, I hope. The reason why we have been called to prepare an ark was not out of fear of what is going on in this world. Before the living God, never was our preparation because we were afraid what was going to happen in this world. Never. What we feared was the Lord. He said to do it. He said, go to a certain place, prepare for my people, because I don't want you praying anymore for this wicked nation called America. I want you to pray for my people that are going to have to navigate through the storm that's coming on this earth. That was in 2003. Later, he said, come and prepare this ark for my people. You're a pastor, care for the people. Take care of your church. Just your little tiny group. Have a place. Tornadoes like Mayfield, Kentucky, Joplin, Missouri. I don't want my people in your church to have to go to stadiums. I want to prepare a place where they could come and be safe. But I believe in the wisdom of God. The only reason why we have prepared a place because God told us to, is so that we'll never have to take up arms, pull triggers, use weapons. I believe, just like Noah, God's going to put us in an ark and shut the door, and he's going to preserve us. And we'll never have man's blood on our hands. We're not afraid of guns. We're not afraid to use guns. We're not afraid of ammunition, bullets. We're not afraid of any of that. But I believe in the wisdom of God. 
that there is a supernatural protection, a preservation, get out of the way, which God is saying right now to many, they're getting panicked. And before you know it, church, you're going to wake up and you're going to start experiencing, maybe in your own ecclesias out there, maybe in, in the marketplace, maybe we're in your business, panic is going to hit this nation. It's coming. So God wants some people out of the way. It's that simple. It's that simple. And he will protect, one way or another, that which belongs to him. We're not afraid of guns. We're not afraid. It's not the issue. We're not afraid to own one. We're not afraid to own many where it's legal. We're not afraid to have ammunition and weapons. We're not afraid. But that's not the primary place. The wisdom of God for the Josephs who are more tender, for the Jacobs who are not like the Esau's, those that really don't have any desire to pick up a weapon and kill somebody. There's a place of preservation for these sons of God. No problem with those that have weapons, use them, will kill. They fought for this country, whatever. I have no problem with it. Zero. Zip. Not, a, not an argument for me. No problem with it. But wisdom, to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, all in. Panic is coming to your nation. You know it's true now. We've been warning, as others, for a very, very long time about these days. It came a little bit different than we thought, quite frankly. I thought by now those nukes would have gone off years ago. They haven't, but the enslaving of a nation that has happened or is in the process of happening, like Australia, becoming a police state, being condemned and vilified for not taking a vaccination, it's here. And it's not going to decrease. You'll see in a moment it's going to increase. However, overcomers will trample upon the dragon Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me. Have you set your love upon God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Do you have affection for God? Yes. And because you have set your love upon him, therefore will I deliver him. And I will set him on high because he has known my name. First Yeshua, first Jesus. Because God has a high calling, a high place, you will walk upon the high places of the earth, and in Isaiah, you will ride upon the high places of the earth, you have a high place. And when you trust the Lord, he's going to deliver you, and he's going to set you on high, because you've known his name, meaning his nature, his quality, his character, his attribute. You know his name. You know who God is intimately. You know him. You're intimate with him. And so he's going to deliver you. Verse 15, he shall call upon me. Are you calling upon him? And I will answer him, hallelujah. I will be with him in trouble. Praise the Lord. We've been in a lot of trouble, haven't we, saints? Guess what, though? God says, I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. We've been delivered from a lot of trouble. 
And boy, has God honored us in his own way. Is that your story? This must become your story. This message is for you. It's for me. It's for you. It's for all who trust and believe. And then, with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation, my Yeshua. That's what salvation is, my Yeshua. Has he been shown to you? Has he been revealed to you? Long life, I thought for sure, I told my friends, I will live to be 25 years old, and I I can't even imagine living beyond 25. Well, in just a couple of weeks, we'll be turning 59 years young. 59? That's impossible with long life. And God said, a generation, a good life is 70 years. If you live to be 70, that's a good life from God's perspective. And if by strength you get 80 years, that's wonderful. What a great life. I hope you used it to serve the Lord, right? 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. My my father-in-law, Mr. B, 100. That was overtime, man. He got on to some life-giving spirit around him, and he just enjoyed the ride. He got around this ministry, and the spirit of life was in that man to 100 years. He just got the flow of the energy of God. Praise the Lord. Life-giving spirits we are. It's true. So, this is Psalm 91. This is a promise. Okay? What do I do with this? Do I now... Ignore everything? No. I'm going to see it with my eyes. Said, only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. I know what's coming on this earth. There's a reward coming. I know that the great tribulation is the amassing of all principality and power in heaven and on earth from the enemy's standpoint of view uh, to come against everything belonging to God in this earth. It's called the great tribulation. God uses the great tribulation to clean up the spots, wrinkles, and blemishes in the people of God who have refused to be washed and cleaned and ironed out by the gospel that was preached to them. There is a gospel being preached today that has no sanctifying power. It doesn't take care of spots, blemishes, and wrinkles. So people stay in their soul, blemished, spotted, wrinkled, and they think they're just going to go to heaven. No, the plan of God in this generation is that you're going to go through the tribulation. It's going to deal with spots, blemishes, and wrinkles. And in Revelation chapter 7, the majority of believers are going into the tribulation. They're going to come out having washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Get your hearts clean. That's what this is all about. We get that. And we get it right now. It's amassing all around the world. It's all coming. It's all coming. No doubt. Are we surprised? No, we're sitting here going, duh. That's not very nice to say that. We're saying, of course, it's what God has been saying for years. Have we prepared? Have we believed? Or are we going to get caught off guard? Don't get caught off guard. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Move by the Spirit. Some of you were told by the Holy Spirit what to do years ago, and you didn't do it. And you're still lingering. You've been lingering long. 
But somewhere, God told you what to do, but either fear or friends or family or conditions or circumstances or geographical location, something put a pause, and, and, and that pause turned into a delay, and that delay turned into years of you not really flourishing the way that God wanted you to flourish. You knew in your spirit the right thing to do, but didn't do it. And you got caught in the, you've been going around mountains for years. It's time to do what the spirit of God told you to do. It's not too late, or this word of knowledge would not be coming out right now. This is a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit to someone listening, which I have no idea who's listening to this program right now, or will be listening. You need to do what God told you to do. And if you have a second to do it, do it. Don't delay. Don't delay again. Do what God told you to do. And if you're not sure, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of you for a brief moment in your prayers and recession, by a word of knowledge, something, prophetic word, you knew that's the right thing to do. But you didn't do it. Don't get caught because you didn't move now. Whatever God told you to do, it's a word of knowledge for someone. So, it is 10.15. That's amazing. We've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Only God could do that. I feel very led to share something with you one more time. Um, I have all kinds of good information up here. I've got uh, the three top three prophetic news headlines of 2021. As you know, we're coming to the end of December. New Year's Eve will dawn upon us. <clears throat> at our fellowship meeting on Friday, December 31st, at New Wine Ministries in Bella Vista, Arkansas, we will be gathering together at 8 o'clock in the evening and there are people already beginning to fast and pray about getting a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophetic word or uh, just something from the Lord that is going to direct the future. We do this every year. We've been doing it for 30 years now. Every single year, there's something said. There's a nugget in the midst of all the things that are shared. And people take, you know, anywhere from five minutes to maybe 10 or 15 minutes to get what the revelation is out and we have a lot of people that will come up. They'll have a word from the Lord. They'll speak the word of God. Like last year, there'll be wolves. It was all about the wolves in the midst of you. Well, praise God we knew. And praise God God has dealt with that issue. And thank God uh, he warned us about all that environmental stuff going on around and about. But, man, it was a true word of God. And there were other things that were spoken last year that if people remember what they said and what God revealed and what was said, they would be absolutely amazed. And so we're gathering Friday, December 31st, to gather together and get a direction, a path of revelation, wisdom, and knowledge, and understanding and wisdom as to what God is beholding. Now, I already have what God revealed to me partially, and I shared it, but I want to share it with you again because I'm going to slow it down. I did this with Pastor Jeff on Friday, uh, but I want to slow this down right now. And uh, before I read it, I want to go back to Ezekiel chapter 33, 
in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1, this message was spoken into my spirit 32, 33 years ago uh, when, when my pastor, R. Paul Carroll, was pastoring the church. We began every service uh, on Sunday mornings with this particular script right here. This was actually uh, put in a, uh, a frame, and it was read every single time we gathered. Got into my spirit. I believe it was the call of the Lord. Ezekiel 33, 1, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people. Say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a watchman or take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman. So here God begins the story by the people taking a man, setting him on the wall to be a watchman. Okay, when he's bringing a sword on the land, a sword is coming. If when he, the watchman, sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. That's what the watchman does. He sees it coming. He blows the trumpet. He warns the people. Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. Okay, so the watchman was on the wall. He saw it coming. He blew the trumpet. He warned the people. The people took heed what the watchman said, and they saved their souls. The people did not take heed to the warning. They get caught by what is coming. Their blood is on their own hands. Verse 6. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Okay, so obviously the watchman on the wall is a sleeping dog and doesn't say anything, but just keeps telling everybody what they want to hear. He's a blind watchman. He's a, he's a barking dog, can't speak, and he sees it, but he doesn't say anything. Well, all the death is going to be on that watchman's hand. Their blood is on his hand. The powers of darkness have done everything in their power to discredit it's the truth. But God continues to validate true watchmen by the things they say Coming to pass, this is good. This is very good. Yes, I'm going to say it. I'm, going to, I'm just going to simply say it. In verse 7, So thou, O son of man, I have set you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them for me. So in this case now, God says, well, your, your, your church people didn't put you up on the wall to be their watchman. Uh, the, 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 the denominational influence may have put you up there or maybe not. But here God says of Ezekiel, I have made you a watchman. I'm putting you on the wall and you're going to speak. And that's where prophetic watchmen come into view. A prophetic watchman sees things coming before they exist in the natural. They understand through the spirit, through the word, 
and through the gifting of the watchmen, they understand, they hear God say something that doesn't exist anywhere. But the watchman's responsibility is to say what God tells them to say, even though it doesn't exist. So they have to go through mockery, scoffing, scorning. And this is, this is incredible. What proof is there of a prophetic watchman? Well, when God shows them things or tells them things, and they say those things that they saw and heard before they existed, and then they become reality, then you know that there's something happening. In the case of 80-20, you see things happening, they don't happen, and there's an actual missing of it, in my understanding of Scripture, does not disqualify or discount or immediately condemn the person to a false prophet at all, in my understanding. Uh, there are too many incidences in Scripture where people have spoken and uh, their words have come to pass, and then at times they spoke and things didn't happen, like Jonah, if you will. Um, nonetheless, people can be deceived. They can misunderstand in the immaturity of their mantle. So there's a school that we go through in Christ. But some particular examples of a prophetic watchman where God shows people things or says things and then they come to pass eventually, well, they have to wait for it to come to pass. Well, from this watchman's stand here, several things have come to pass that have been spoken through the years through this pulpit. And little things like dreaming, having a prophetic dream of Joe Biden winning the election 14 months before the election ever existed. 14 months prior, there were over 20 people running for the presidential office. And at that time, for the Democrats, and at that time, God gave me a dream. And in the dream, Joe Biden won the election, blue suit, blue tie, saw him standing in a tunnel, and he was un it was like sobering. It wasn't, yay, I won was something's wrong. I got here. I'm here. Well, that became a reality. We spoke what God showed us. Why did God want that to be known? Why did God give a dream of that? You had people that were out there telling everybody beyond the shadow of a doubt that Donald Trump was going to win the election. Well, it would have been easy to go with that flow because that was the desire of my heart personally but God showed a dream, and I knew that the dream was from God. And so I spoke the dream and said, this is what will be. Joe Biden's going to win the presidency. And after all the controversy and 14 months of waiting, sure enough, he was inaugurated with a blue suit and a blue tie, just like the dream showed. That is a prophetic dream, a prophetic dream foretelling. There have been many of those. There have been many words of God that have been spoken that have come to pass. And I'm going to now read you for the third time, if you follow this ministry in detail, what God is saying about what you're about to enter into. But you need to remember Psalm 91. You have to. Here's what 
you're about to step into. And I believe this is a prophetic anointing watchman that God has set and not man. And here is the word. A day star is arising in our hearts. That's how this is titled. The Bible says that a day star does rise. It's rising in our hearts. That day star is Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There is a beacon light ready to shine for a path that leads to a refuge from the storm. So there's a light coming. There's a light beaming. There's a light manifesting. There's wisdom, revelation, knowledge, understanding, light, truth that is ready to shine. And I believe the outrays are already begun for a path that leads to a refuge from the storm. That means there are some people that are going to listen. They're going to be guided. They're going to be directed by that light, that revelation, that truth from the storm. The following word was given to me on Saturday, December 11th at approximately 7.30 a.m. I was awake. I was alert. I was driving. I was sober. I was listening. I then heard these words. The acceleration of end time events will come rapidly in 2022. Well, I heard that, and I've heard that before, years ago, in 2017, 2018. I began a series on the acceleration of everything's going to be accelerated, that Donald Trump was an accelerant to create acceleration in the world. Go back three or four years in our messages. You'll hear it. And man, did things accelerate to 2019, 2020. Come on, acceleration, right? So God said again, Acceleration of end-time events. End-time events will come rapidly in 2022. The Spirit said there will be four major shifts in 2022 according to the Gregorian calendar, which is very interesting when we put these together. He spoke to me of the tachometer or the tachometer, the the tachometer, which he said while I was driving, listening, hearing, was a measurement of speed. Now, we all know that a tachometer on a car or whatever has RPMs on it, and it probably, but I never thought of it as in that way before. So the Lord said that it is a measurement of speed, the tachometer. Then he said the first shift would come between January 2022 and March 2022. This is the first quarter of the year. He then said the second shift would occur from April 2022 through June 2022. After this, he said the third shift would come from July 2022 through September 2022. Then the fourth shift would come from October 2022 through December 
2022. This is what I heard. I heard about acceleration. I heard about a a tachometer. And I knew something about the tachometer. And I started dialoguing here and thinking in my heart that the tachometer is where we get a, a Greek word. It literally comes from a Greek word that's in the book of Revelation. I've studied this out. And I knew the Greek word entakos, or with speed. Takos is the English word taco, or tachometer, or tachometer. So with speed. So I knew that part of it. And then so when I came home after hearing these things, so all I heard was four major shifts, 2022, and the race car, first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, right? So that's what I heard. When I came home and further explored what I heard, I wanted to know what the definition of a tachometer. So I went, and a tachometer, it says, an instrument which measures the working speed of an engine. So it's going to get revved up, right, especially in a road vehicle. So that kind of confirmed that we were talking about like a race car shifting acceleration, Typically, in a revolution per minute, RPM, it is a device for indicating speed of rotation. A tachometer is literally, and here's what the definition said, a speed measurer. So that confirmed what I heard in the spirit. It's a measurement of speed. So a tachometer is literally a speed measurer. Since the Greek root, tach, T-A-C-H, means speed, that's where you get n tachos, with speed. So this is clear in the names of the tachyon, which is a particle of matter that travels faster than the speed of light. It is so fast that it is impossible to see with any instrument. It also speaks of the tachycardia, a medical condition in which the heart races uncontrollably. Again, that's a tachycardia. Bind that up if you have a racing heart syndrome. All right, rebuke that. So... Since the speed that an auto tachometer measures is speed of rotation of the crankshaft, the numbers it reports are revolutions per minute, or RPMs. All right, so I kind of did a little research on that. So then, in my writing and exploring what I heard in the spirit, 7.30 a.m.-ish, on December 11th, Saturday morning, 2021, I got into writing which I do a lot of writing, or used to do a lot of writing. And I wanted to just write and let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. So I wrote, let's talk about the four shifts. And again, I'm believing I'm in communion with the Spirit. It's what I believe is true. I believe, therefore, I've spoken, I've written. Number one, here's the shifts. And the first thing I saw was mandatory vaccinations. And I wrote, according to what I saw and what I heard, This will be the main concentration during the first quarter of the year. Right around April, a new shift will occur, which will be shift number two, that will concentrate on those who refused the mandate to be vaccinated. There will also be within the first shift, so between January and March, here's what I expect, And here's what I believe the Spirit is saying. Not only will there come forced 
vaccinations in an accelerated way during those 90 days from January to March, but there's going to come new mandates, whatever that is. I, I view those as things not yet seen or heard of, something that we haven't considered. There's going to come new mandates that will assist in securing the ultimate goal, which is forced vaccinations. So whatever these mandates are going to be, whatever these shifts are going to be, whatever this is going to be. Now, what would discredit and disqualify this word would be that from January to April, all bets are off. Everything is back to normal. There are no vaccination mandates. Joe Biden changed his mind. The left changed their mind, which they just said last night. I heard this for the first time. I wrote this on December 11th, where Joe Biden last night on True News, Rick Wiles, listen to last night's True News, where they do an audio video of Joe Biden saying all unvaccinated people are going to die. Therefore, we must be urgent to get everybody vaccinated. That's kind of a confirming word to what I'm hearing, I think. But this is what I believe God is saying that you need to prepare for. Australia is suffering. Austria, Sweden, Norway. Democracies around the world are are the battlefields right now. The battlefields to implement. Get ready, sinful nation America. Your day of accountability is come. But not for you, who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Listen, this is not a game. What does mandatory vaccination look like in your neighborhood? So far, what we're getting is you can't travel in other parts of the world. You cannot travel. You will be harassed. You will be set apart. And I'll get into that in the second shift. But what we know is you can't go to restaurants in New York. If you want to get somewhere, travel, participate in a a gathering, you have to get COVID-19 tested, which means they take a long swab and they stick it up your nose into your cavities here or into your very center of your, right here in front. And some people say there's gels on those sticks that they put up your nose that cause the assembling of all the proteins or whatever they put into these vaccinations. There's the stuff there that manipulates the gene manipulation. Uh, They talk about uh, all these things that are going into the body and then this gel gets in there and causes everything to assemble taking over the DNA, changing the person. That's what they say. So get ready. You're you're what? Today's the 20th? What? Today's the 21st of December. Ten days from now will be Friday, December 31st. What will it look like from January 1st to April 1st? According to this word, that's 
what's going to be taking place, an acceleration, forced vaccinations, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Number two shift, persecution. So as I'm writing, exploring, intimating with the Holy Spirit, what did I hear? What is this? He said this, through April to June, April, May, June, as spring and summer begin to come forth, those who refused the vaccinations will begin to lose their rights and benefits. So there's going to be resistance, and who knows what kind of resistance will come with forced vaccinations, right? Maybe it'll just be very easy, right? But there will be those who refuse that are going to begin, begin to lose their rights and benefits. Rights and benefits. You don't have any rights. You don't have any benefits. What does that look like? It's going to begin to lose their rights and benefits to enjoy societal bliss. Oh, you're going to see people flying and going to restaurants and going to theaters and shopping at the mall, but not you. You're not allowed without a vaccine passport, without proof of vaccination. You're not allowed. Society goes on among the vaccinated, the cooperators, the capitulators, the humble submitters to the global government. Ooh, societal bliss. But not for those resistors. Not for those uncooperative rebels, insurrectionists. Not for them. In other words, they won't enjoy the societal bliss of going to a ball game, shopping at the mall, going on vacation, going to a restaurant. It will begin with soft persecution, kind of like the Jews in Nazi Germany with the yellow stars that were put on them, and then eventually the numbers. It'll begin with a mark of some sort to show that you're unvaccinated, uncooperative, a rebel to our new world order, our society that we're trying to do. And because you're going to die, we need to save you. But this is how it will begin. This is what I heard the Lord saying. It will begin with soft persecution. But the winds will increase as the days, weeks, and months pass. Now, when I was studying this, I wrote this out. As we speak over, as we speak, this is over a week ago, 80% of the population in Australia, 80% of the population in Australia have cooperated with the authorities and have been vaccinated. They resisted. They didn't have guns and ammunition. They had bows and arrows. They resisted. But their resistance broke down 80%. What do you think life is going to be like for the other 20%? Our friend Daniel Seckham said he lost his his $100,000 a year job because he refused to take the vaccination. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to swab this big going up my nose. That hurts. No, I don't need it. I am vaccinated. I am 
fully vaccinated for all disease. I believe it. That's my faith. I leave the rest with God. I'm not bowing to the government. But here's what will happen. Persecution will begin to hit this country three and a half months from now. Number three, what's going to happen connected to that, what you're going to see, July through September will pave the way for stigmatization. Stigma. Ooh, a Greek word connected to 666. Interesting. The definition of a stigma is a mark of shame. That's in your Bible, 666. So is the president of China's name, Z. So the definition of a stigma is a mark of shame or discredit. So if you're not vaccinated, if you're not cooperating, if you're not capitulating, if you don't bow and get the shot, you will have been marked for shame in this society. It also means a stain will be put upon you. Also, an identifying mark. An identifying mark Hmm. or a characteristic, the characteristic being one who cooperates or one who does not, of a specific diagnostic sign of a disease. Further, stigma is a degrading and debasing attitude of the society that discredits a person or a group because of an Attributes such as illness, deformity, color, nationality, religion, not being vaccinated, etc. The resulting coping behavior of affected persons results in internalized stigma. So you're living like a Jew in Nazi Germany. They put a yellow star on you. You're the bag, and the whole society looks on you, Jew, looks at you with your yellow star. No shopping at your store. You're not welcome in our store. They stigmatize. Now the people have to cope internally with that stigmatization. Well, you don't like me? I can't shop? Oh, and many people are going to do what? Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yield, right? That's going to happen. But the resulting coping behavior results in internalized stigma. This perceived or internalized stigma by the discredited person is equally destructive whether or not actual discrimination occurs. So the person feels within themselves the result of this stigmatization. Stigma destroys, listen carefully in the definition, stigma destroys a person's dignity marginalizes affected individuals, so you're marginalized now, violates basic human rights, markedly diminishes the chances of a stigmatized person of achieving full potential, and seriously hampers pursuit of happiness and contentment. Also, According to the Webster's New World Dictionary, the short definition of stigma is a mark of disgrace or reproach. 
You know you're already seeing this. You know that your family, you've heard of family, reproaching and disgraced by your unwillingness to get that vaccination. You know that. I am thoroughly convinced, and I told you my prediction, I won't be on the air in April. April 1st, I will be gone. That's my prediction. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I strongly feel that way, maybe even before, because we're not allowed to say these things. And if you're listening right now, I do pray to God that you take heed to what you're hearing. You may not see it now. You may not hear it now, but it's coming. But the reality is you are already hearing it and seeing it. Now, an interesting truth concerning stigma. I wrote this out just because I'm exploring what I heard. An interesting truth concerning stigma is that it is associated with the mark of the beast. We are told in Revelation 13 that the number of the beast is the number of a man's name, and his number is 600, which is the chi, C-H-I, 60, which is the Z-X-I, there's the man's name right in the middle, and the six, which in the Greek is stigma. Hmm. Now, many in the church are going to be demonized by this stigmatization. And I learned this. This was coming into my heart by Holy Spirit because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a learner. I'm a student as well as a teacher. And I remember Daniel Seckham talking about what they did to the Jews. First, they demonized them and then did what? They dehumanized them. So many in the church are going to be demonized, then dehumanized. All anti-vaxxers will become the target of a propaganda campaign. The likes of Nazi Germany. Okay, so now introduce propaganda. What is propaganda? So I did a little research. I've known this. I preached this in 1994, for goodness sake, on propaganda, how it's a weapon used, right? So in propaganda, it means this. It's information, especially of a biased or misleading nature. And that's what we have everywhere. And what's really amazing because of technology today and the Internet, you have two sides of the propaganda war going on right now. And nobody knows the truth, right? Because this is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature. So what we need is the truth. It's used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. And as one of our dear guests said last week, just follow the money trail. And those that are coming up with the vaccinations have made so much money. Always follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, Garth S. Jowett and Victoria O'Donnell, provide a clear and concise propaganda definition. In their book, Propaganda and Persuasion, written in 2014, they write, and I quote, propaganda is the deliberate, systematic attempt to shape perceptions, manipulate cognitions, and direct behavior to achieve a response 
that furthers the desired intent of the propagandist. So the propaganda that's coming out of the news media, out of the White House, of all the Internet, all these sources, propaganda. And because we've had thus far the liberty to have two opinions or two sides battling out, well, what are they doing? They're shutting down the possibility. Trump doesn't get to tweet. YouTube doesn't allow anybody to talk about anti-vaccine. Facebook will follow. Monitoring, FBI, CIA, listen carefully, watch, listen, monitor the people that aren't in agreement, silence it through propaganda, demonize them. It's coming. It's already here. And so eventually, you have to imagine, I've got people in our church that don't even remember a sermon three days after I preach one because it's a busy world. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying it's easy to forget. And when the truth of God is no longer presented over the airwaves, And all you're going to hear, like in Nazi Germany, the radio that they allowed and the things they allowed them to listen to is just the propaganda. You're either going to have to shut it off and then kind of be in the dark about what's going on, or you have the the potential to be mind-controlled, brainwashed over and over and over. The lie will go forth. Deception will go forth over, and there will be no contradiction. Well, further in their book, Propaganda and Persuasion, they said this. In other words, and what are they doing again? It's the deliberate, systematic attempt to shape perceptions. That's what they're doing. They're shaping the perceptions of people's minds to manipulate their cognitions, the cognitive function of the brain. They're manipulating it. And they are directing behavior, okay, to achieve a response that furthers the desired intent of the propagandists. That's far left right now. That's what we're getting, the globalists, right? In other words, propaganda is a systematic method of manipulation. And it's quite a successful one. Propaganda, they said, has been employed extensively in the political sphere since the 19th century to further various agendas by politicians, opposing candidates, and special interest groups. But it's gone higher now. Propaganda is used to highlight the negatives or positives of an idea, a person, or legislation. Hitler used propaganda extensively to promote his anti-Semitic ideas and his vision for Germany in a post-World War I era. It's getting awfully familiar, isn't it? The left accused Donald Trump of being a Nazi, a socialist. They accused him of being a nationalist. They accused him of being Adolf Hitler. He was an American patriot, as far as we could tell. No reason why not to believe that. He was standing for the sovereignty of a republic, wanting to bring it back to some morality and normalcy. And they condemned him every day for being Adolf Hitler. And yet the actions, you'll know a tree by its fruit, he was accused by them who are the actual Nazis. And that's the truth. They are doing what Adolf Hitler did in Nazi Germany. Not Donald Trump. Not the Christians. Not the right. 
not the conservatives, not the whites. They're not doing this stuff. This is coming out of the beast of hell itself. This is coming out of the heart of the beast, Satan, and those who he has controlled. So it brought us to the number four shift. The number four shift. And this is what I wrote. Collapse. By October through December 2022, a first, now, by the way, before I run into that, I want you to know that you've got to prepare for the propaganda. You're going to have to put on your helmet of salvation. You're going to have to put on the full armor of God. You're going to have to know the promises of God because this thing is going to hit heavy propaganda like you've never heard before through demonization, stigmatization. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's going to get harsh. And it's going to be incredible because the, the crystallizing of the satanic narrative is going to be very powerful. It's written in your Bible if you pay attention. Now, number four, collapse. By October, by October through December 2022, a further collapse will occur in the United States as well in other parts of the world. A collapse of morality, family, freedom, joy, peace, etc. The world will become an impossible place for the righteous elect to live in, even as Lot could not endure the wickedness and corruption in Sodom, so shall the people of God be vexed daily by the filthy, unfair conduct of the wicked world that shall arise. Now, let me just put that in biblical perspective. There will be an Abrahamic remnant. What do I mean by that? Abraham was on a mountaintop journeying with God in the eternal purpose of God. Lot, who chose to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, he was being vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked. But that righteous one, full of faith, who is in union with God, is on a mountain moving in the purpose of God. Lot's the one that stuck. He was righteous, but he was vexed every day. So the collapse and the, and the impossibility to live within the society, not necessarily so with the Abrahamic covenanted people who walk in a righteousness that is rigid, not in a Lot kind of righteousness. There's a difference. Get that. Get that. Are you walking in the eternal purpose of God? Are you connected to God's eternal purpose? Or are you just a lingering lot, hanging out in Sodom? Come on, folks. Super important. Because there's got to be hope for God's people who follow him whithersoever he goes, like the 144,000 overcomers, right? So I gave the definition of collapse, and it means this. Of a structure... It means to fall down or give way. Of a person, it means to fall down and become unconscious. A lot of people are going to fall away in the last days and become unconscious of the Spirit's conviction. This is dangerous. This is a hardened heart and the love of many waxing coal. Of an institution or undertaking like this country, it's going to fail suddenly and completely. An instance of a structure falling down or in, in other words, to break down completely, to cause to disintegrate, to suddenly lose force, significance, effectiveness, or worth, 
a breakdown in vital energy. In other words, the Constitution of the United States will be destroyed. All institutions in this country are on that foundation. The Constitution is not the foundation of eternal life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is. And while there be some aspects of the gospel in the Constitution, they are going to destroy the Constitution. And people who built on the Constitution are going to fall with it. Those who have built their life upon the rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ will stand and remain standing. Get that. And then I closed out this way, and I'm going to close out today with this. Remember where we began today. And it's in this writing that I wrote about the day star rising in your heart. The day star that is rising in our hearts will guide our path to right places within the kingdom of Christ. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit in this hour. We are not going to be caught off guard if we pay attention to what we are hearing, seeing, and witnessing with our own eyes and ears and understanding with our hearts. Let me say it again. Panic is about to hit this nation. And when panic hits, you're going to be either part of the panic, you're going to panic, or you're going to be affected by the panicking people around you, or you will have made the proper preparations to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. But no, panic is coming. And it's like when you start feeling trapped and you can't get out and you start looking, run this way, run. You better get out while you can, whatever that means to you. Second Peter 1.19, speaking of paying attention, said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Remember, there is an anointing for vitality, energy, and strength. There's an anointing for that. He's talking to our church because they knew this. Remember, there is a blessing that comes from being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Remember, there is oil for your lamp. Be a wise virgin and prepare for what you have heard. And remember, do not allow your love to become overcome by fear. So there are, there are strategies for God's people living at this time. I believe this is a true word for the Lord. Time is going to tell. But I'm not going to wait around to see. I'm going to prepare because I will not despise prophesying. And this came to me. Saturday, December 11th, around 7.30 while driving, very awake, very aware, very sober, and watching. And I share it with you. You can judge and do it what you will. I pray that each one of us will walk in the integrity of the gospel and that we'll have some really good conversations along the way. This is Pastor Vince. Love you both. Thank you for supporting our ministry, by the way. I hope that you are willing to do that as long as we're on the air. Thank you for just saying, hey, I want to bless you guys. Here you go. Um, Take care of whatever your needs may be. Thank you for doing it. If you want to know how, you could give us a shout. There's ways you could go to our website to find out. Not going to get into that yet because, again, I do believe that this ministry is, and especially um, uh, January through March, it's going to be a very telling first three months to see what else is going to transpire. Let's see if there's not forced vaccinations all over this country from January to March. Then we'll talk about step number two again. Till we meet again, Pastor Vince, I should be on the air tomorrow with our dear friends, <clears throat> Kathy and Brian.
God bless you, saints. We love you. I got to find out where I am here. There I am. And let's see where you are. Let's see. Hallelujah. And let's see. And let's see. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for your comments. Shalom.